Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Yeah, well, good to be here again. My name is Ryan Taylor, as Trey said. Um, if we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you afterwards. We're going to stick around for lunch. And uh, Richard asked me to do a, a, a brief, don't get too worried, brief update about RUF during lunch. So um, I'll do that in there as well. But um, yeah, my name is Roe Taylor. Glad to be here. Um, it's been just a few, I guess a few, like a month or two since I was last here, but uh, good to be back again. We always enjoy um, heading over this way. And it's not just for the crystal, but for other for y'all as well, just to be a part of this church. But uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage out of Mark chapter 9. It's printed there in your bulletin, Mark chapter 9. Uh, Mark, just a, a, a brief heads up, quick heads up about Mark and, and the gospel of Mark. It was actually, it's believed that it's the first gospel that was written. It's the first gospel that, that was written. And one thing, so two things about that. One, what Mark loves to do is to show how the disciples just didn't get it. Like, they just didn't, they were with Jesus, like, bodily, and they still just didn't get it. And hopefully that gives you hope, <laughs> like it does me. Um, and the second thing about this being uh, one of the first, or the first gospel that was written, these were the stories that Jesus wants his followers to know, so that we can be formed and shaped more and more into the likeness of Christ. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at this story uh, particularly with the question or with the thought that Jesus wants us to know what great faith looks like. Jesus wants us to know what great faith looks like, and it doesn't look like what we may normally think it looks like. As I read this and, and, and follow along, um, follow along here, but just notice, notice the two kind of parties that are not necessarily pitted against each other, but highlighted. One showing great faith, and one, not. Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read straight from the bulletin since this is what everybody has in front of them. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, 
so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Uh, Thank you that you actually long for us to come before you saying, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, we may find ourselves in exactly that situation this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, speak to us the grace and truth of Jesus, that you'd be gentle with us, that you'd point us to him. And so, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So I read, um, I heard this story, or well, heard, read the story years ago, and it's probably kind of aged itself out, so what I'm about to say is probably a very commonplace thing. Um, But I read about this, uh, a, a story of a paratrooper, you know, someone who jumps out of planes in the military for a living, and um, they had just had this new device that was made that there was, so someone jumped out of the plane and became unconscious. When they got to a certain level, the chute popped out. And so, lo and behold, this happened, and there was a reporter went to talk to the guy who it happened to and was asking him about it, and during the interview, he said, I'm so thankful for that device, uh, because if it hadn't been for it, I wouldn't have lived. It saved my life. Now, is, is that true? Well, yes, in this case it was necessary, but, but is that what saved him? Is that what saved him? Now, we could probably argue about this for a while, about what actually saved him, but let me ask it this way. If, if you were jumping out of an airplane, would you want this little bitty, like, computerized micro device, or would you want a parachute? <laughs> the device helped, and it was necessary, But the device was just the means through which the parachute saved. So this morning we're talking about, we're going to talk about faith, saving faith. Um, And we think about this father's statement, I believe, help my unbelief. And a lot of times we can hear that and be like, that's contradictory. Those two things don't go together because oftentimes we think it's, it's maybe intellectual certainty that we know that we are sure, that we are positive, intellectually certain um, of, of things, or it's emotional certainty that I have to feel a certain way to really be saved, or it's moral consistency, maybe that I have to live a certain way without any derivation from it um, to be saved. And let's just be honest, this is exhausting <laughs> to live this way, because if you have doubts, if you just happen to not like the music on a certain Sunday, if um, you just didn't do good things this week or you have in your mind that you're not going to do good things later in the week, then your faith is always going to be in question. Your faith is always going to be in question. Faith isn't about how much you know, how you feel, or how you act. Faith really isn't all that much about you or me. Faith at its core is about receiving and resting in Jesus. It's about the object And so that's the two things we're going to look at this morning. Faith is about receiving, and faith is about resting. 
So the first thing, faith is about receiving. It's not something you do. It's something you receive. Faith is the way in which we receive what Jesus has done. Um, a few kind of maybe random images that hopefully get kind of a word picture of what this is. Faith is like a phone charger. What you need is electricity. You don't need a plug plugged into nothing. <laughs> the phone charger gets you to what you actually need. Faith is like an IV tube. You don't need a tube. You need what's in the IV bag. Faith is like a straw. You don't just need the straw. You need what the straw gives you access to, whether it's a big old like fat smoothie straw or like a little bitty tiny coffee stir straw. Um, these images are pictures of how you access what you really need. Jesus is the source of life. He is life himself, and he gives it to you. Faith is the way we access him. Um, many folks can be either wrongly miserable or feel just great um, in a relationship with God because what we're often focused on is ourselves, right? And how I'm doing, how I feel, what I know, um, and how my past week has been, and maybe even what other people think about me. When we do that, we're putting our faith, we're actually putting our faith in faith instead of in Jesus. We're putting our faith in our faith instead of Jesus, and what we're basically doing is we've got our charger plugged into our phone, but it's nowhere near the outlet on the wall that we actually need. And what we're saying is, hey, my charger's broken, when in actuality it's not actually plugged into what it is you need. Our faith isn't broken, it's just not plugged in to Jesus. We aren't recharging because we're not connected to the source. We're not healing because we're not connected to He who is, as He says in the gospel, is living water itself. Um, some days we feel it, some days we're faithful, some days we just fall flat on our face. And if we think it's about me, if we think it's about me, myself, and I, and how I'm doing, um, either I'm mistaken and don't know much about how God actually relates to us, um, or we don't know much about ourselves. I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon said about faith, saving faith in particular. He says, saving faith, even if it's as weak as a thread of a spider's web, is saving faith if it's rooted in Jesus. Even if it's as weak as a, a thread of a spider's web, it's saving faith if it's rooted in in Jesus. If we want that confidence to grow, then we have to go to Jesus. This man in this, this father in this, this passage had amazing faith because it wasn't just, I believe, I think I believe, and kind of navel-gazing at himself, but he actually like got up and went to Jesus. He went to him. He pursued him. He went out for him. And even though he says, I believe, but I still have doubts. <laughs> help my unbelief. He went to Jesus. And that's what's going on here in this text. And what does that look like for us? Now, this could look like a lot of practical things. Um, pursuing Christ in His Word. Pursuing Him, pursuing him in the Scriptures. Um, connecting with other Christians as the body of Christ. Prayer. You know, that's the, the difference here, right, in the passage with the, the, the Father who went to Jesus and the disciples. He actually went to Jesus and 
the disciples at the end asked, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this cannot be driven, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They were depending on themselves. They weren't looking to Jesus. This can look like going to Jesus, can look like pursuing Him in the Scriptures, connecting with others, prayer, uh, meditating on Him, serving the way and loving the way that Jesus did. All of these things are pursuing Jesus like the Father did, going after Him to give Him the time and your thoughts and your words and your life. Knowing ourselves enough to say, I'm inconsistent. He's consistent. I run from God, but He actually runs towards me. I'm weak. He's strong. Faith isn't doing something for Jesus, but receiving everything from Jesus. You know, if someone asks, um, you, know, you get those questions about just, actually, I haven't heard this in a while, but how's your walk? Is that still a thing people say? I don't think so, but maybe that's an older generation thing, but uh, I don't hear it on campus, at least. Let's put it that way. Um, and we start thinking, like, well, how am, how am I doing? I, I, you know, I didn't read my Bible. I got interrupted this morning. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Or maybe it's like, well, you know what? I've been to church, like, the past month, and I even came on Wednesday night. Um, you start thinking about yourself, and, you know, what we can honestly say is, you know, if it's focused on me, whether it's going well or not, it's not a surprise that we're not experiencing, if we're not experiencing much joy, because it's about me. It's about me and my life and how we're doing. Faith is about receiving from Jesus. It's not in ourselves. True joy is in Jesus and in Him alone, not you and me. True faith is receiving like this man did, um, saying, I'm desperate and I need you, but it's also resting. Resting. So this man comes to Jesus and he says, if you can, and Jesus says, if I can, I can do anything. The only if is not if he can, but if he will. You know, the Father's faith had no influence on anything except but on Jesus' willingness to do it. This Father was resting on Jesus. You know, how do we do that? How do we rest on Jesus? Um, Well, we're all doing it right now. We're all, I guess, except for me. (laughs) We're all doing it right now, except for me. We're all sitting on a pew. We're all sitting on something. There's no effort that it takes to do that. There's nothing that you're having to do. You're not having to like strain to stay on there or like not fall down. You're just resting completely on the pew. Um, You're doing, you're sitting, you're chilling, you're doing nothing. All the Father did is ask. He rested on Jesus and Jesus did everything. He was willing and able to save his son. Faith is resting and depending completely on Jesus. Uh, several years ago, it was actually when I was in seminary, so this was um, uh, in Auburn, Alabama fans, y'all could probably name the year better than I could, but when I was in seminary, that was probably 2010, I think, um, a, someone I'd gotten to know, long story, I'll condense this, uh, someone I'd gotten to know, their dad had connections with someone who had a skybox at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and invited me to go 
to the Iron Bowl when Cam Newton was playing for Auburn and eventually won the national championship. So I got this pass. It was freezing cold, you know, right around Thanksgiving, freezing cold, like raining, sleeting outside. I get this pass that has somebody else's name on it that allows me to go into this like heated skybox and sit in this like comfortable like leather seat and eat steak and mashed potatoes and watch Cam Newton come back from a ridiculous game. If there's Bama fans, sorry. Maybe it's, I don't know, anyway. Um, but I got to do what I got to do. I got to go where I got to go. I got to eat what I got to eat and watch the, one of the greatest games I've ever seen in person because of someone else, <laughs> because I had someone else's name on me. It wasn't anything I did. It was completely resting in the fact when somebody says, hey, you don't look like you belong here. I could say, you know what, you're right. <laughs> but I'm here because I'm resting on whoever he was. Faith is resting in someone else, not something we did to earn it, not something um, we, we accomplished, but just resting in that other person. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter, like, the way we live our lives doesn't change what Jesus has done. Um, my ability to not gossip, to be sober, to not hold grudges doesn't change anything about Jesus. You know, Jesus created everything linearly. And so Jesus secured the path for you thousands of years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived, died, and was raised so that you could have new life in him. That was earned 2,000 years ago. How is something you did last weekend going to change that? It's not. Should I do everything in my power to honor the person whose name is on me? Yes, absolutely. Because it's his reputation that's on the line. When I walk around with his past and is, is his beloved, is his follower, the, the status and access that, that Jesus has now given us should absolutely change how I live. But my status and how I live doesn't change my access and status with Jesus. My reputation is beside the point. All that matters is the reputation and the good name of the person on the path. And what Jesus has said says that he has written his name on you. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, behold, I'm making you a new creation, that they are in me, and everything that is true of Jesus is now true of you. It has been secured in the past so much so that when Jesus is baptized, and the, the heavens open up, and you hear the voice of the Father, and you see the, 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 the dove, the Holy Spirit, descend on Jesus, and the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Because of Jesus, he's saying that about you, that you are his beloved daughter, that you are his beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. It's because the object of our faith that we can receive and rest in Jesus, the object of our faith. Now, I'm um, not trying to go all sports stuff on you, but I love the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we've watched 
as many games as we could in the playoffs. I was really sad that they did not make it, uh, beat Golden State. Um, to move on, um, the problem, you know, if, I'm cheer- if you're cheering for your team, like I'm cheering for my team, and they lose, the problem wasn't with the quality of how much I thought they could do it, and like this is the year, and Ja is playing crazy, and they're so good. The problem wasn't with the quality of my faith. The problem was with the object. If they could actually do it or not. Um, no matter how committed you were to the Grizzlies, the Orlando Magic, the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs, Ole Miss Rebels, whoever it may be this baseball season maybe, no matter how much you believed, the problem is not how much you thought they were going to do it. The problem is that they couldn't actually do it. It was the object of your faith. We can rest in Jesus. You can rest only in him because he's the only one able to do it. He's the only one able to to win, who's able to give you new life. He lived the perfect life, died a sacrificial death, raised was raised from the dead and he's gone into glory and so he says that when I go there, anyone who puts their faith in me will be with me. Like, they're coming with me. You can believe him because he's able. You can believe him because he's able. You know, oftentimes we ask for a sign. He's, he's given us a sign. And this, you know, fits well with the Lord's Supper that we're about to do, but he's given us a sign. He's given us innocent Jesus who's taken on a guilty per- person's death. St. Augustine, uh, great church father uh, of the 5th century, says, I believe that I might understand. I believe that I might understand. And he says this, he, he quotes Mark 9 that we just read. I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, I heard someone tell this story, a guy named Don Carson, if that name means anything to you, tell this story years ago, and it was, it was kind of a... Um, historical fiction, I guess you could say, but it was about um, the Passover, about the Passover, and it was contrasting two different Israelites when Jesus said, hey, you know, slaughter a perfect lamb and put the blood on the doorpost um, of your house, and we're going to, and like, you will be passed over. Your, your first offspring will be spared, and so he's contrasting two of these people and, and two Israelites, and one of them is scared to death of what's about to happen. He said, I put, the, I put the blood on the doorpost. I don't know what's about to happen. I'm so nervous and scared and I have so many doubts. And the other person said, um, well, you know, I put the doorpost, I put the blood on my doorpost and I'm about to go sleep like a baby and sleep happily knowing that we're going to be okay. And he asked the question and he says, you know, who did, which one was okay? And the answer is both. Because it didn't matter how confident they were. It didn't matter how many doubts they had. It didn't matter how they had lived, like how morally good they were, how intellectually, how much they knew the confession and catechism. It didn't matter what they felt. What matters was that the door was on the doorpost. The blood of the lamb covered them. And so you can, you can have faith and rest and receive the goodness of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you that in your infinite wisdom, uh, you have orchestrated our salvation through the blood of the Lamb, through your Son, Jesus, so that it's not, <laughs> it's not a matter of works. It's not a matter of what we do. But Jesus, it's a matter of what you have done and what you have applied to us by your Spirit. As Lord, I pray that um, as we go about our lives, as we are about to partake of this meal that you've given us, that we would look not at ourselves, but we would look to you and rest and receive you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.